Barnabas Grayson will come with the sermon Doctrine. Hope you guys don't have plans for this evening. We may be here a while. <laughs> yeah, while you guys are sitting, I'm standing. Good afternoon. Got a lot of people here, which is good. Just enough, I think. As Ken said, you might be here for a long time, but I'll cut it down quick. I'll cut it short, like the uh, rabbi said. Let's cut it short. <laughs> Doctrine. We know that the word means that which is taught. That's what doctrine is, that which is taught. And it can refer to any religion, it can refer to any church, it can refer to any moral or ethic or principle or code. For example, we have, you know, things like the Baptist doctrine, the Methodist doctrine, Episcopalian, Presbyterian, Catholic doctrine, sacred names doctrine, and so on. But the Christian religion that we are acquainted with gets its beliefs, it gets its doctrine from the preaching and teaching of Christ and his apostles. And the doctrine of Christ, he said, is from the Father. He said, it's not my doctrine, it's from the Father. Purpose this afternoon is to um, look at doctrine and to avoid false doctrine and to recognize it. In the book of John, chapter 7 and in verse 16, we see that Christ said this. He answered them and he said, my doctrine is not mine but his that sent me. So we know that when we see the teachings of Christ, we know that it is from above, that it has a heavenly uh, sent message to us. But we know that over time, his teachings have been interpreted in various ways and things have been added to or taken away from the doctrine. But throughout the New Testament, we find warnings about false doctrine, that is, false teaching or heresy. Now, heresy is an, uh, an opinion, which is the, in opposition to the established and the authorized beliefs of uh, a belief system, a church, which is likely to call, cause division. Now, as a church, we believe in the keeping of the Sabbath, you know, the seventh day, which is Saturday. But if we were among a Sunday-keeping church and we started correcting people on, uh, on which day is which, we would be spreading heresy. We would be called heretics. Now, Protestants read the same Bible that we do, the King James Version for the most part, and they are probably familiar with 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Let's look at that. It is said there were... But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the faith sh uh, shall be evil spoken of. And so... Naturally, they would be on guard to preserve their beliefs for the sake of what they perceive as 
the truth as doctrine to their, to their beliefs. And who would blame them? Because we would be the same way. In the book of Hebrews chapter 4, we're to have a concern about false doctrine, about heresies and things of that sort. You know, uh, God has given us wisdom. He has given us a mind to discern his spirit and to use his word as the foundation for what we believe in. In Hebrews 4, verse 1, it says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. So we have to be concerned about things that might take our eyes off of the teachings of Jesus Christ and off of the doctrine that uh, he, he has given us to Christ and, uh, of Christ and his righteousness. Uh, verse 2, For unto us was the gospel, that is, the good news preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. So, you know, Protestant-keeping uh, churches can read this as well as we can, but there are different interpretations. There's a different doctrine concerning that. And... In this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. So we see that uh, there's truth that the just shall live by faith. Again, he limits, limited a certain day, saying to, in David, today, after so long a time as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, Harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth, therefore, a rest to the people of God. And so, you know, we see that as th something that is very plain to us because, you know, we understand the Sabbath and uh, when it was created and what it's all about and that this day pictures a look ahead to that rest that is coming in the kingdom of God. But... These scriptures are plain to us, but not to some, and it can be divisive. And some would see this, well, it's just a, a, a false doctrine. And, you know, many we know that are, are just blinded to the fact. No fault of their own, but because maybe they've just br been brought up that way, and that's the way it is, and they can't break the habit. Or the understanding that some uh, people impose upon them. In Hebrews chapter 6, when uh, this gospel was preached to us over time, maybe through our own study or maybe hearing the words of, uh, of a preacher, we learned some ba basic truths. We learned some uh, basic doctrines forming the foundation of the gospel. Um, is there anyone in here that really has not had a connection to the Worldwide Church of God? You don't have to raise your hand. It's just a, a question. But... Uh, of course, the foundation of my beliefs came a long time ago in, in the Baptist church. I learned about God, about Jesus Christ, about baptism, about sin, about repentance. And that, uh, to a young uh, a boy, like, it, it just gave me a foundation. And then later on, it was made a little bit more plainer 
a, a little bit more of the doctrine was, uh, became a lot more clearer to me. But this gospel was preached to us in some way. In Hebrews 6, verse 1, it says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation uh, of repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, and of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if, if God uh, permit. So we see that there are some basic doctrines to what we, to what we believe in that uh, helps us hold a steady course. In Matthew 7, in Christ, uh, Christ he talked about, not, I didn't give this to Brian, but he talked about not judging others. You know, that is to not condemn others. To avoid looking you know, at the moat that is in the brother's eye while ignoring the being that is in our own eye. But he was talking about asking and about knocking. If, you have a, if, if you're seeking Christ, to ask and to knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And he talks about entering the straight gate and about doing unto others as you would have them do unto you and how to, be, uh, how to beware of false teachers. Now, when it came to pass, when Jesus had ended those sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. They were impressed, greatly impressed, by his wisdom, by the, by the words that he said. And so we know that there are certain principles, doctrines that form our faith the found, and the foundation of the church that Jesus Christ built. We've got repentance, we've got faith, we've got baptism, laying on of hands, the resurrection and eternal judgment. But within each one of these topics, there are other uh, topics that we can look at. I'm not going to cover, you know, like faith and baptism and some of these things, but in 1 Corinthians 15, we see the resurre resurrection doctrine as one of them. Because it's important to our hope. It's important to why we are seeking salvation. In verse 12, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But, verse 13, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. So the Corinthian church had some untrue ideas going on among them. They were still God's people, but some of them just didn't believe the truth. There was some, some doubt about uh, the teachings and the preachings of, uh, of the apostles, the truth that's spoken of by the disciples. Verse 15, Yeah, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he uh, raised... Not up, if so be, that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. So if there was no resurrection, there would be no hope for those who have died in faith. Because at some moment in time, at a time in yet future, they are going to be resurrected and we're going to be reunited with loved ones, 
That is a hope. That is the gospel. That is a doctrine uh, of the church. So, verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. And so the apostle Paul went about to set all of that uh, doctrine straight. And he added, for as in Adam all die, but even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. And as we read later on down, you know, there was a question that some were asking. And they said, well, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? So, you know, that's a big question to scientists today who are trying to find the key to longevity. Even uh, 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 where people just don't die. But, and this is, uh, uh, this is the question. How are they raised up? With what body do they come in? You know, you look at 1 Corinthians 15 and, and read about how uh, in a twinkling of an eye we're going to be changed. From, spirit, uh, from mortal to spirit beings. So we can ask ourselves, you know, where it says that the just shall live by faith. And we know that another doctrine of Christ that is mentioned is faith. And we can ask ourselves, well, do we have perfect faith? Do we have faults and weaknesses? Do we fall short in many ways? Now, there are many picky doctrines that are made into mountains from, you know, molehills. A lot of little insignificant things that, you know, you just keep adding to, building up, building up. It's, uh, it's just a kind of a, an exercise sometimes in futility. I, I watched uh, my grandchildren, and we have these large blocks, and, and, and they start putting these piling one on top of the other. As, as long as it's, you know, close to the foundation, you know, it's not going to collapse, but they will go as high as they can, high as they can. And then uh, by adding more and more to it, it will collapse. So there's something in that, too, that so many picky doctrines that you can put on top of each other. And sometimes it would be better to do as uh, Scripture says, that if you have a faith, you know, a belief, sometimes, you know, you just keep it to yourself. You... Uh, uh, you don't, and you don't cast your pearls before the unconverted. So we all need to have a repentant heart and to obtain mercy. Because, you know, we can, we can have a faith that, uh, that could collapse. So we have to have a strong foundation on which to believe, uh, which to believe in. Luke 24, 27, and this is what Christ did. And beginning at Moses, he started back, you know, in the book, of the five books, and beginning at Moses, and then all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things that concern himself. So we know about the commission Christ gave his disciples, and in Matthew 24, where he said, Go ye therefore into all the world, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of that is, you know, in, in honor of the Son and by the authority of the Son and the Father and of the Holy Spirit. 
teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, he says, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. In Luke 14, he said, in verse 12, Verily I say unto you, He that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. And today we know that there are a lot of ways in which the uh, gospel can be disseminated. You have the most popular thing, you know, is the internet. You've got newspapers, you've got magazines, you've got radio. And, you know, back in those days, everything was done by tra traveling on foot and are going to, going to a place where your voice could uh, carry over and echo into the ears of people. Had to shout the gospel, had to cry aloud and spare not. And here, you know, it just is, it's just real easy to come across various things on uh, electronic media. And we know that in order to do this, that there had to be human teachers. And I, I believe this is Acts 2. I don't know if I put this down, but in verse 1 it says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. So we see uh, Paul and Barnabas here. They were, they were uh, uh, commissioned with the gospel. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Separate me, Barnabas and Paul, or Saul at that time, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being forth, sent forth by the Holy Spirit, departed in, unto Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. So as Christ said, he would build his church. And in building that church, there had to be a foundation of doctrine, of, of truth, that would anchor the beliefs of, uh, of the members. And since he has gone to the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit was sent to us to sustain and be led into the truth. So we see that the message of the gospel was put into the hands of man. And consequently, of course, there arose other things that, were, that are contrary to what was uh, delivered. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has set some in the church first Apostles, you know, at that time uh, when this was spoken, there were the apostles. You know, apostles were the ones who witnessed the miracles of Christ, who heard his voice, and who had direct contact with him. Now, there are probably some out there who may have seen and claim to have seen a 10-foot Jesus, and maybe they are an apostle. I don't know. But uh, there were apostles. He set some in the church, first the apostles, and we're built upon the foundation of those and secondarily prophets thirdly teachers and the teachers uh, would be all of us all of you out there who have come across the word of God and have delivered it in such a way as to uh, be a part of the truth or sustain the truth that we have so God set some in the church and after the teachers miracles then gifts of healings 
helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Colossians 1. So the apostle said in verse 25, Whereof I am made a minister, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So God is the one who set before those who would listen, those who would read his word or hear his word, and he would be the one to open the door to his understanding. In verse 28, Paul continued, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. <coughs> Colossians 3, there is neither Greek nor Jew. And in verse 12, to put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. And if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. Above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfection, or perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called in one body, and be ye thankful. And in verse 16, this is one way to avoid things that are questionable. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name or in honor of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So this is the best approach that we can look at in regard to living as Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, would want us to. And this, you know, not only just among ourselves, but, you know, even to, uh, even to those that we might say are on the outside. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. You know, giving thanks to God for the teachings and for the truth that we have at our disposal. But, verse 3, verse 8 that is, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Let's go on down to Second John, uh, chapter one. I have numerous scriptures, and I don't want to read them all before I get done. Uh, let's go to verse six of Second John. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. And this is a commandment that, as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world 
Many deceivers are entered into our society, into our environment through various ways and means. Deceivers have entered who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresses and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ has not God. He that abides in the doctrine of Christ, he has both the Father and the Son. Because you know Christ uh, was teaching the doctrines of the one who sent him, the Father. But if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that bids him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. So you have to be careful about, about really, you know, saying, uh, talking uh, about something we may not know. Be like the Bereans. Uh, search the scriptures to be certain whether those things be true or not. And as many in the church, you know, have often said, uh, don't believe me, you know, believe the Bible. It's a good, it's a good way to uh, look at things that either a good doctrine or a bad one. So, we know that whatever is opposite doctrine is, uh, uh, in the teachings of Christ, is heresy. But sometimes truth is mixed in. And it is understandable that one must in some way respect another's view. Because, hey, they could be right and we could be wrong. And one of the ways to determine is, did the doctrine come from man or the word of God? Matthew chapter 15. Verse 8, beginning there. This people draws nigh unto me with their mouth and honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. And he called the multitude, and he said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goes into the mouth defiles a man, but that which comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. And so his disciples came, and they said, uh, you know that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? And he answered them and he said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. And it's when you hit that, uh, that part where, you know, you, it's like running into a brick wall and you wonder, uh, well, that uh, just knocks some sense into you. Uh, you know, it happens. Don't, uh, in verse 17 on down, do not you yet understand that whatsoever enters in at the mouth goes into the belly and is cast out into the drop. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies, these are the things which defile a man, but, but to eat with unwashing hands defiles not a man. And that was, that was what this uh, thing was all about, because these are works of the flesh. But righteousness, as we can see, righteousness and truth is what we should be concerned with. And heresies are the works of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5 the works of the flesh are manifest and went over those. 
and verse 20. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies are listed under the works of the flesh. So these things are all unrighteous doings, and we are to overcome them, to live opposite those things. First uh, Timothy chapter 4, Paul said to Timothy, If you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you shall be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto you, you have attained, but refuse profane and old wise fables, and exercise yourself unto godliness. That's what uh, we do. We try to exercise ourselves unto godliness. Like a, a sermonette some, some time ago where you exercise, put it into practice. For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. And this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things he told uh, Timothy to command and teach. And verse 15, meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them that uh, your profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you shall both save yourself and them that hear you. Up in chapter 6, down in chapter 6, I should say. Verse 3. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he's proud knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words. Whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. Matthew 24, 24 says that there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and they're going to show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, that it would deceive the very elect. They're going to have these convincing signs that are, that's just going to look like the real thing, that they are backed by some kind of power that they need to pay attention to. But it says the elect will not fall it. But you have to be grounded in the doctrine of Jesus Christ because it's going to look pretty strong, but because of the doctrines and the teachings of Christ, uh, they've been taught to know better. But human nature is curious. You know, people like to dig into things as far uh, as thing, uh, you know, as far as they, they can go. And so we, we still must be careful. Titus 3, 9 tells us to avoid foolish questions, <coughs> genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. And, you know, you have to have the wisdom to know how you're going to uh, apply yourself to the words that we see in the word of God. 1 John 4, verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. 
Hereby know you the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. But every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist whereof you've heard that it should come even now already it is in the world. In Revelation chapter 2, we read about those churches, those seven churches, and we know that some of them held contrary beliefs, and some had the doctrine of the, of the Nicolaitans, and some had fallen, and, and they were in need of repentance, having lost their first love, yet they were God's people. God loves them, and he loves all his people, especially those who are trying and seeking to do his will, but his call is for them you know, to repent and overcome where needed. In Matthew chapter 19 and verse 17, he said unto uh, him, this rich man that wanted to follow him, why call you me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. But if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. That's what the doctrine of Christ is pretty much about. The doctrine of righteousness and truth. And it's to fear God and to do his will as uh, uh, Ecclesiastes. That's what matters. That's the whole duty of man. And to love one another as Christ loves us. 1 John chapter 2, verse 10. He that loves his brother abides in the light. And there is no occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and knows not where, where he goes because that darkness has blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. They're forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. And I write unto you, little children, because you have known the father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. And we know that there are many Christians who give of their time, sacrifice, effort, and their physical things in order to help and to serve those who might be in need. Maybe it's just uh, uh, an encouraging word or maybe a prayer of concern for them. There are many good people and there's no law against that because it's done to the glory of Christ. But we know that there is none perfect. And what I say, you know, is foolishness to some. And, you know, God, the scriptures say uh, preaching is foolishness. But we have been called to the doctrine of Jesus Christ, which is about having uh, righteousness and to strive for unity with Christ as our aim. I think I left out a scripture. 
Yeah, I don't, didn't put this down, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verses 2 through 4, the Apostle Paul said to, uh, to them, he said, I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So, you know, we've been engaged through Christ through the preaching of his word. But I fear, lest by any means, as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that comes preaching another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might well bear it with him. You know, you, you might go along. You listen too long. And th things that could draw you into uh, different ideas, a different uh, Christ. So, you know, we have to be careful and not forget that it is Christ's truth and his righteousness. That is our aim. Ephesians chapter 2, and this is the last uh, scriptures that I will, this is what I will close with today. You know, we have to strive for unity with Christ as our aim. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, the apostles Paul said to the Ephesian church, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirits in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all.